How are you doing? Are you cool enough? We need to crank it down a little bit more. Push it on down to 50 or something. <laughs> keep them awake. You ought to have a jacket on. <clears throat> I appreciate your prayers. Uh, many of you uh, know, most of all you know, that in June we lost my father-in-law. My wife is spending a lot of time with her recently widowed mom trying to help her through this season. Last week I lost a cousin, and so we were back down there for a funeral. While we were there, my daughter-in-law, Melanie, her dad passed away. So it's like one of those things where you say, I'm going to quit answering the phone. You know, it's it's a lot of it. So we, we would definitely appreciate your prayer. Remember, Melanie, in your prayers, is obviously this is going to be a, a very difficult week for her as well. You got your sermon notes out? Your sermon section out? Do you have your amens ready? Let me hear them. All right. Just kind of hold that enthusiasm maybe up a notch or two. I'll start a new series today called The Dynamic of God's Will. Now, here's my theory. <laughs> my theory is, is that there, God's will for our life is dynamic in that it can adjust to what is going on in our world. In other words, when someone does something that affects God's will for our life, God figures out a way. Amen? God figures out a way. And so I say that God, well, let's read Psalm 139.13. It said, For you created my inmost beings, you knit me together in my mother's womb. You ever look at your mom and go, wow. I was formed in her womb. Did you ever do that? It's incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. My mom's with Jesus now. But there, there were a few times, especially as, as she was getting older, I think, well, that is the woman who gave birth to me. You know, it, what an in, incredible concept that my life was created in her body. But the Bible says that while my life was being created in my mother's womb, Actually, God was knitting me together. What I'm saying that is that God knew you before anybody else did. God knew all about you before anybody else did. And God has created a plan for your life. God's created a plan for your life. We often say about someone, oh, I, I believe God has a call on their life. What we probably mean is I believe that they're supposed to be a preacher or a worship pastor or a youth pastor or something. But the truth is that God has a call on all of our lives. God has a call on your life. It may not be to stand behind the pulpit, but it is to stand somewhere for Him. So I think that there are four potential paths, and you're walking on one of these paths right now, hopefully a good one, four potential paths. First of all, there is the path of God's perfect will, and that's what I'm going to preach about today. And everybody said, all right. Then there is the detoured will of God. I'm going to talk about that next Sunday. The detoured will of God is when people in our life do things that affect us. We didn't get out of God's will, but somebody else did, and it affected us, and we had to find our way back to the main road, so to speak. Then there is the corrective will of God. The corrective will of God is 
where we chose disobedience and some consequences came into our life and we're going to repent and we're going to accept grace and we're going to accept the consequences and we're going to find our way back to the perfect will of God. Amen? And that's a couple weeks from today. And then there's a fourth path that I'm really going to do my best to convince you don't travel on that one. It's the exit from God's will. Uh, We don't want to do that one. And they all said, and we'll talk about how to avoid that one altogether. The path of God's will, God's perfect will. We see an example of that in the life of Joshua. You know, when Joshua was doing God's will, which was his life, basically, you find very little negative things said about Joshua in the Scripture. The enemy found no security because he was walking in God's will. The enemy of our souls finds no security when we are walking in the center of God's will. The enemy of our soul cannot win when we are walking in the center of God's will. Look at Joshua chapter 2, verse 11. And this is Rahab, the harlot, talking about how the enemy feels about Joshua. When we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed him because of you. For the Lord your God is in heaven and above and on the earth below. He said, when we heard, Joshua, that you were leading the people of God, man, we just melted. We knew we were in trouble because you were walking in the center of God's will. A few chapters later, excuse me, a chapter before, it says, this is what made it happen. No one will be able to stand against you, Joshua, all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. That's why he was untouchable. The epitaph, the last words over Joshua's life. Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. Wouldn't you love that to be the the eulogy? Israel served the Lord throughout Joshua's lifetime. Because of his leadership, they served the Lord. Joshua is a great Old Testament example. Obviously, we have in the New Testament, Jesus, who was perfect in it. He said in John 17, 4, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. What, what if that became our vision? What if that became our plan? On the last day of our life on earth that we could say, Lord, I have brought you glory by completing the work you gave me to do. And I said, Lord, I have brought you glory by joining the church you wanted me to join. You didn't say that. Lord, I, I, I have brought you glory by making all this money in my lifetime. He said, Lord, I have, Father, I have brought you glory by completing the mission you sent me on. You're on a mission from God. Are you going to complete that? Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. What is finished? The mission Jesus was on was finished. I thought a lot, obviously, lately about the end of the road. I've been confronted with it a lot this year. You do a count of the precious folks 
my life who have gone on into eternity this year. I had no idea January 1 it would be this kind of a year. But as I have been constantly faced with mortality and, and looking at it, I, I've wondered, God, am I going to be able to say at the end of the line, it is finished, meaning I finished your will. I started it, I persisted in it, and I finished what you called me to do. Let's look at Paul for a moment before I start giving you the keys. I just don't want you to think I'm just railing off. I want you to know that this, this is the scripture that we're talking about. It says, For I am ready to be, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. Again, Paul's writing his dying words here. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Don't you hope you can say that the last day? Don't you hope that that, maybe put that on your headstone, you know. Of course, if you go on the rapture, you won't have headstone, but you know, you know what I mean, you know. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all those who have longed for his appearing. Final words. I fought a good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. In view of all that was being done against me, I kept the faith. Nothing in this summary implies that it was easy. He said, I finished it, I kept the faith, implying it wasn't that easy to do. So, have I set you up now? We're, we're walking this out now, right? <clears throat> How do we take the path of God's perfect will? I hope by showing you Joshua and Jesus and Paul, I've convinced you, and these uh, rushed to it rather quickly, that it is something that you and I want to do. It's something that really matters. It's the most important thing in life to finish the will of God. So how do we take the path of God's perfect will? Are you up on the edge of your seat? Ready to go? Chomping at the bit? First of all, we must develop a transformational relationship with Jesus. We must develop a transformational relationship with Jesus. What did I say? We must develop a transformational relationship with Jesus. You know, friends, sometimes we run into church and we kind of think, uh, you know, I think I'll start going to church a little bit. Maybe it'll be good for me. That's not a transformational relationship with Jesus. A transformational relationship with Jesus, as the name implies, is a relationship that is transforming us. It's doing something in us. Some just try to add Christianity to all the other stuff they are, but Christianity is the very root and heart of what we are in the will of God. Another pause. <laughs> Is when temptation hits me here, you know. You are in the center of God's will being transformed daily. And you are in the center of God's will being made something better than you were yesterday and last year and last decade. Amen. You are being transformed. And, you know, lately, as I said, I, I have spent uh, a lot of time, in fact, this past week, 
I literally saw cousins um, that, I, that, that I didn't even recognize. It had been so long since I had seen them. I don't know if you guys know it or not, but we're changing. <laughs> you know, it's strange when you look at an old guy and you realize he's younger than you. Who is that old man? Oh, that's my little cousin. Okay. Sorry about that. Yeah. But and spending time uh, with, with family and, and sitting down, you know how it, it goes. You sit down and you start talking about things in the past. And uh, I remember one, one conversation I had uh, this week that it especially I found myself amazed by it. I was talking to relatives about a very traumatic event in our lives. And, and something that that uh, caused a great woundedness in our hearts. And and as we were talking about it, I started noticing that who I was talking to was having such a a major reaction. It was it was tears. It was it was anger. It was all that stuff was coming right back up. We were going right back to years ago when this happened. And I'm sitting there going. What's the deal? And I'm realizing what has happened in my life through the grace of God. God has been healing me. So listen to me very carefully. Sometimes we need to understand scars are okay. Open wounds aren't. Does that make sense? Scars are okay. Open wounds aren't. I've got scars on my body. I've told you the story of stealing my, mom, my dad's hatchet from the tool shed and hitting myself in the leg. You want to see the scar? Do you? <laughs> but you can walk up and you can grab my leg. Don't do it. It'd be weird. You, know, you can grab my leg where that scar is and, and I won't. But back when it was an open wound, if you touched it, I would re react violently. There's a point I'm making here. If you're still bleeding and enough time has passed that you should be healed, you're not in a transformational relationship with Jesus. If you're still bleeding and you've had time to heal, you're not in a transformational relationship with Jesus. Because that thing, and I remember dealing with that thing, and I remember feeling like I was going to have a nervous breakdown dealing with that traumatic situation when it was going on. Now I can sit and talk about it and maybe even giggle a little bit. Man, that was rough. Because God is faithful to heal. God is faithful to heal. If your divorce still is crippling you, now if it's fairly recent, you get a pass. But if this thing has gone on years and you're not healed up where you can talk about it and maybe minister to other people that are going through it, then there's something wrong with the transformational part of your relationship with Jesus. In the perfect will of God, we're getting healed devastating brokenness and loss. We're getting healed. And God is... It's not time isn't healing us. The Holy Spirit is healing us. We are praying and we're laying those wounds before God and He is 
closing them up and he's putting the salve on them and they are healing up. And the reason so many, many people cannot walk in the perfect will of God is because they're not walking in the transformation of God. And so every time they try to step up and do anything, they're still crippled, they're still wounded, they're still bleeding. It's okay to have scars. It's not okay to keep open wounds. Amen? Somebody besides Pastor Dustin want to amen that? Let me move along here. Secondly, following God must become the central focus in life. The biblical heroes had this in common. Following God was the central focus in life. I want to say something really radical right now. Are you ready? Huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's go with it. You should seek God's direction for who you should marry. Come on, single folks. <laughs> you should seek God's direction for where you should work. You should seek God's direction for what house you should buy. Isn't this getting radical? Because where you live is going to affect the people around you. I don't know how many neighbors I've had the privilege of leading to Jesus. What if I hadn't have bought that house in that neighborhood? You know, you know, a pagan might have bought it, and then maybe they would have never been told about Jesus. I think you should pray about and seek God's direction. Where do my kids go to school? And it goes on and on and on. I, I even pray about, God, what automobile should I buy? Hello? You know, you just, just pray and you seek God. That is in the center of God's will. There is a focus on what is God doing and how should I Follow God. I know this is weird. This is fanatical. But I absolutely believe it's the thing that everybody, every heroic personality in the Bible had in common is they were focused on the will of God. I didn't go out there and say, let's see, that old boy's pretty good looking. I think, I think I'll marry him. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm pretending to be a girl now. That girl is not dead gorgeous. I'm going to marry her. No. You say, God, what is your plan for my family? You know, I always laugh a little bit. I don't know. You know, when sometimes when a wife will complain to me about her husband, I'll say, who made him the leader of your family anyway? And then the answer is, you did. (laughs) Oh, not funny, is it? <laughs> when you chose him to be your husband, you made him the leader. This is this weird? Because it just felt weird. You made him the leader of your family. What did you do that for? Did you pray about that? It doesn't matter if he has bulging biceps and bronze skin. If he can't touch heaven when he prays, what good is he? I don't know why that seemed controversial out there. 
what does God want you to spend 40 plus hours a week doing? Don't tell me he doesn't care about that. He does care about that. Don't tell me God doesn't care about who's investing in your kids. We tend to get possessive with our lives. We only have one life, and, and we want to make sure that we get to do what we want to do with that one life. And so we're coming up on this great challenge. Do you believe that when your life is put in God's hands, that God will give you the best life? Do you believe that? Because if you don't believe that, you will pull your life out of God's hands. And you'll try to make all these decisions yourself, and we tend to make a mess with that. Often we wrestle with God because what we think we want and what He wants are in conflict with one another. Following God must become the focus of our life. Number three, God's will must become the source of our integrity. God's will is the source of our integrity. Our character will always be central to God's purpose. I think I need to say that again. Our character will always be central to God's purpose. For God, the end will never justify the means. The means will always reflect on our God, and God will always have a strong opinion about the methods that we use. And so we draw from God our integrity. We say, Lord, how can I deal with this situation in a way that will honor you? Amen? I don't want my Christianity to be a joke, do you? I don't want people to to look at me and go, yeah, right. He says he loves God, but then he, you know, he he lies about this and he cheats on this. I I don't want that. I I want people to say, that guy's a man of integrity. You can trust his word. He serves the Lord and he, he walks the walk, right? We draw our integrity from our relationship with God. I don't want to do anything that would in any way cast a shadow, a negative shadow on, on the God that I represent. A person in God's will is always going to press for godly character, a godly nature. We simply cannot fulfill God's will without drawing our morals from God, from the Word of God. And they all said, catch up with me. Number four, God's will must become worthy of sacrifice and suffering. God's will must become worthy of sacrifice and suffering. I know some of you have read a book about your best life now. And you can have your best life now. But the only way that's true is if you're going to hell. In this life, in the perfect will of God, there will be sacrifices and there will be suffering. And we have to be willing to accept that. What's this, Philippians 3.8? I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have, su- I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. 
Do you know what he's talking about? He was a Pharisee. A Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was educated at the feet of the, one of the great rabbis, Gamal. He had, you might say, a Harvard Ph.D. He, he had it all. Of, he said, my countrymen admired and envied me because of my stature among the Jews. And he said, I count it all. And he doesn't really use the word rubbish. He uses the term from the farm. I consider it manure. I consider it manure that I may gain Christ. This, this great position of esteem and respect and wealth. He said, I took it and I threw it away that I might know Christ. That I might follow Christ. Friends, God is going to put us on a path that at times we have to make sacrifices. Man, that's not very marketable. We have to make sacrifices and suffering is involved in, in that path. The perfect will of God, look at it throughout Scripture, the perfect will of God at times had intense adversity in it. At times, it was very difficult when Paul said, Paul said, I fought a good fight. He didn't say, I fluffed and I fluffed. He said, I have fought a good fight. I kept the faith. I finished the race. Second Corinthians chapter 1. You see, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Wow. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. We thought we were doomed. We thought we were going to die. This happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. We were worshiping a God who could bring us back from the dead if he wasn't done with us. He said, because there was a time in Asia that we thought we will not survive this trial. It is so bad, so tough, such a problem. I want to tell you something real important here. Smile. Are you smiling? I suspect, and my suspicion is based on 30 years of being a pastor, so it's more than a suspicion, it's a theory. <laughs> and it's more than a theory, it's a conviction. Um, I suspect that many times we get offended at people, especially other believers, because they cannot do what only God can do. We get offended at other people, especially believers, because they cannot do what only God can do. That didn't make any sense, did it, to some of you? Paul said, we despaired of life itself. But we learned to trust a God who was greater than even death. And this happened so we would learn that. That we would learn that we've got to trust a God who has no boundaries. Do you want to wreck your marriage? And they all said, 
If you want to wreck your marriage, try this. Expect your spouse to make you happy. Expect your spouse to make you whole. Expect that. Because that's something only God can do. You want to wreck your relationship with the body of Christ? Expect your pastor to be able to make you whole. Expect the deacon or your brother or sister or your fellow church member to fix what's broken in your life. I mean, I've I've had people sit, sit before me furious. I am going down. Don't you see it? Yes, I see it. I'm praying for you, but I, I, I don't have that supernatural power to pull you up. Only God, only your relationship with God's going to do this. Listen. Are you listening? In the center of God's will, there will be times that the power of God is the only thing that will do it. The power of God is the only thing. Your spouse is not going to be able to fix it. Your pastor's not going to be able to fix it. The deacon's not. Your Christian friend's not going to be able to fix it. And you can get mad at all those people and you think that they, you know, they're just not what they ought to be. Or they can, but the truth is you've got to get your eyes on Jesus. You've got to say, Lord, I despair of life itself. Lord, I don't know if I can handle this any longer. You've got to come. The God who raises from the dead has got to come into this situation and raise your plan from the dead because it seems to be dead right now. You're going to have... Are you guys having a good time? (laughs) I'm just trying to get you ready. There are going to be spiritual attacks aimed at your life. And they're going to reach a level at times that only God can defeat. Tell me you're getting that. There's going to be times in this perfect will of God where the only way you're going to make it through the night is when Jesus walks through the night with you. Say amen. The only way you're going to make it through this trial is when the Lord reaches down and gets a hold of it and says, come on, we're going. We're going through. Now, he may use someone to be his voice, to be his touch, but it's still him. He's still him, and he's still doing it. God's will for your life will be a constant target of the enemy. He'll always be trying to get you off, but God's power is greater than anything the enemy will try to do. We cannot continue, and I see this, and I don't know, I don't want to belabor the point, but I see this so often as a pastor. I see people, they'll jump up, they'll race down the road, I want God's will, God's will, God, and then problems will come up. And they're there, well, wait, I didn't sign up for this. Yeah, you did. When you signed up to be a soldier of the cross, you said you were going to be marching against the kingdom of darkness. And fifth and finally, the reward for God's service can only come from God Himself. Paul's ultimate reward 
with a crown of life. I fought a good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of life that the righteous judge has prepared for me. Among the last words of the Bible, you will find these words. Revelation 22:12. Behold, I'm coming soon. The word literally means suddenly. Get these next verses, or these next few words. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. Friends, our culture is trying to create a brand of Christianity that exists outside of the eternal promise. Are you hearing me? There's almost nothing said about eternity. It's all, do this and God will give you a bunch of stuff. Do this and God will make your life so easy. But the Bible, biblical Christianity, rests upon the promise of the eternal. Just hours ago, I was sitting in the church, my wife's hometown, Floral Baptist Church. I was listening as the preacher was preaching and I saw the casket up front that contained my cousin's body. And the thought occurred to me, as broken as we all are, if we saw eternity the way it is, we would be looking forward to it. Amen? Now, don't get suicidal on me. If you commit suicide, you go to hell. You know, we'll, we'll get into that. I, I didn't mean that completely, you know. But I just don't want you to go off and jump off a bridge or something, you know. Uh, but if you saw it for what it really is, we wouldn't cry for the dead. We would cry for the living. We would celebrate. The Bible says that Jesus, for the joy set before Him, endured the cross, scorning its shame. For the joy that was set before Him, he saw what was on the other side of death. And he endured the cross to get there. Colossians tells us to set our minds on things that are above and not on things that are below. So, I've given you installment number one on God's plan for your life. Walking in this perfect plan means that you are walking... Listen... You are walking in the light of eternity. Anytime you turn off that light, life makes no sense anymore. Nothing makes any sense anymore. You turn that, the light of eternity, okay, now my life makes sense. I'm doing stuff now, and I'm making sacrifices now, and I'm enduring hardships now, because it's all being done for what the Bible calls an eternal weight of glory. An eternal weight of glory. You guys got it? You have it? When you get into the perfect will of God, God is doing something in your life. He's working in you and through you. Those people who tell you that once you get in the perfect will of God, 
You have all the money you can spend plus. You've got all this. That's not the New Testament perfect will of God. The perfect will of God says that you are walking in the center of God's will. Satan has no rest because of the anointing, the presence of God that is upon you. You are a soldier of the cross of Jesus Christ. Yes, you get shot at and sometimes you get hit, but you don't go down because there is a power working in you that cannot be defeated. You're in the perfect will of God. And when life wounds you, and I didn't say if life wounds you, when life wounds you, there's a transformation going on, and you're going from wounded to healed. And that's happening in the perfect will of God. And if that's not happening, i got to find the perfect will of God. I'm resisting somehow the perfect will of God i got to buckle up and know that there's an enemy who hates me. Not because of me. He hates me because of my Father. He hates me because of Jesus in me. He hates me, and he's going to say all kinds of things and do all kinds of things and use other people to try and destroy me. But God is going to make me indestructible because I'm in the center of his will. You're faced with a decision now. You want to do some stuff. You want to run some places. You want to grab some adventure. You want to gla- grab some pleasure. You're going to grab all that. And God says, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not my will for you. But I only have one life. And the Lord is saying to you, I know. And if you want to make that really worthwhile, put it in my hands. I'll really make your life worthwhile and they all said amen bow your heads with me please let's talk to the father there was a time when the Lord began Solomon says to knit you together. One sailor stitch after another. Your body form, your heart form, your head, your arms, your legs, your fingers, your toes. The Holy Spirit was knitting you together. Don't think he's not invested in you. And there is a plan for your life. And I'm asking you, in Jesus' name, to seek that plan. Some of us have ran away from that plan for years. And our lives bear the scars and the brokenness of that dash away. But could we say no more? No more. From now on, it's the center of God's will. It's the center of God's will. And that's where His Holy Spirit is drawing you right now. 
these closing moments of this service this morning, I'm going to ask you if you're in a position where you're saying, I am ready today. I confess I have not been walking in the center of God's will, but today I really want that to change. I'm going to ask you to do something very courageous. While everyone else is sitting, I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to pray that the, the perfect will of God will be restored to your life. Anyone, real quickly, say, today, I want, I want to step in to the center of God's will. I've had a foot in it. I've spent a day or two in it, but I really have not truly sold out to God's will for my life. <clears throat> Any others, real quickly? still seated, I would like you to just look around you real quickly and see where there's someone standing. And they're simply saying to us as their church family today, hey, I, I've kind of been calling my own shots. I want that to stop today. I, I want to walk in God's will. So as you look, if you go ahead and stand up and if you can, please get over to someone who is already standing. Everyone stand, please. Father, I pray for my brothers and my sisters who are standing today. They're saying, Lord, it changes today. I have been walking down paths that I'm not sure that you were anywhere close to. I don't want to keep doing that anymore. I want to walk in your perfect will for my life. Please, sir, I ask you to hear our prayer. And, Lord, I'm asking you to give us a heightened sense of your voice. Help us, Lord to understand your voice. Make our spiritual ears alive unto your voice so that when you're talking to us, those little nudges, those checks in our spirit, that we feel those. Lord, I pray that you would cause things to come together, doors to open that were unopenable. Lord, I pray that you would shut doors that you don't want open. Jesus, we trust you and we praise you, Lord. Father, open our hearts and our minds to walk in your will and in your path, precious Lord, for your grace and for your glory. Father, I ask you if there is anyone here today that does not know you as Lord and Savior, I ask you to give them the faith right now to know that you died for their sins and that your will for them is that they would accept that forgiveness and come into a new life in you. Jesus, please, sir, give them that faith. And then as, Lord, they believe in their heart and confess with their mouth 
they are being saved. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen, Amen. You know what I think you should do? I think you should take these notes. <laughs> Spend some time wrestling with them so that the Lord can kind of massage those in into your hearts and minds. Next week, we'll get into a very common path that we all have to walk on. In fact, we probably spend most of our time in the path we'll talk about next week. So be sure that you, you come back to that. God bless you. Have a great day, and we'll see you next week. You're dismissed.